afternoon. You are on the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you, Boopsy Moran and Martin Bosley joining me today. Just some traffic for you though. Uh, Auckland State Highway 20 Southwestern Motorway, a multi-vehicle crash is blocking both lanes southbound just before the Puanui Road off-ramp. Consider an alternative route. Expect long delays. Also in Auckland and also on State Highway 20 on the southwestern, a crash is partially blocking the right southbound lane between Mahunga Drive and Wormsley Road. So pass the scene with care and expect delays. And in Ototahi Christchurch State Highway 74 Bexley Canterbury, due to a crash at the Pages Road intersection, State Highway 74 northbound, it's closed. So follow the directions of emergency services on site and avoid the area. So bit of traffic and we will keep you up to date uh, throughout the program. To this first, Labour says it'll cap the number of vape stores nationwide to 600 and introduce a licensing regime if re-elected. Now that would reduce the number of stores by more than half. Uh, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins says vapes are far too widely available so tougher measures are now needed. All retailers, including dairies and petrol stations, would need to obtain a licence in order to sell vaping products and new vape stores will be banned from setting up within 300 metres of schools or marae under new restrictions in force um, from September the 21st next month. With us to discuss is Dr Lucas Marek from the University of Canterbury who is an expert in spatial analysis as it pertains to health. Dr Marek, welcome. Welcome, kia ora. So focusing on this, I, I guess this aspect, the proximity of vaping outlets to schools, what can you tell us? What does your analysis say? Well, it's actually quite striking because what we see uh, nationwide and even more in some urban areas like Christchurch, there's about uh, 20% of all vape stores are within 300 metres from schools. And it's about one third when we talk about 400 meters. But, you know, 400 meters, it's, it doesn't sound great. So we can translate it to about five-minute walk, which might be more understandable for everyone. Fairly significant, isn't it? And I understand that Christchurch, slightly more than that, very slightly. Yeah, it, it, it's about the same nationwide. So Christchurch is about 33 and the nationwide average is about 30%. So it's still comparable. Lucas, do we know if proximity, because that's often the sort of thing that people look at, eh? like, oh my goodness me, this particular outlet is so close to the local school. Do we know if proximity affects or influences buying decisions? Well, uh, it's always a question whether the excess is the usage of the of the certain services or spaces. So we can't really say that, but from... Other health-related uh, research, we know there's there's a strong evidence about uh, health outcomes that are way worse in a close proximity to things that are bad to our health. And we can talk about mental health or physical health. And by bad things, I mean things like uh, fast foods or alcohol outlets. So we know that people who are living or working close to those places, their health outcomes are way worse. So it's probably a fair point to 
to assume that it's not dissimilar with with vape stores because if there is offer, there are also customers, and unfortunately in this case the customers are students who legally shouldn't be even able to buy those products. Oh, okay. So when it comes to your likes of fast food or alcohol, uh, proximity is a factor. It's an, there, there is a correlation between but between the two. Yeah, there's definitely association about uh, about yeah, between the proximity. So the closer you are, the worse health outcomes are usually seen in the area. So we we suggest uh, we assume that it's actually not dissimilar now. All right, uh, Dr. Marek, uh, we have a panel with us. They might offer a. A question or a comment? Shall we go to you first, Boopsy Moran? I have a question about, so I misheard the policy because I thought it would stop it from being around schools, but now it's actually the opposite where it kind of sped up them opening at schools. So is there no way to take, like now that there's more than ever opening within 300 meters of school, is there no way to do a policy where all vape stores can't be within a certain distance of schools? I think this is more of a legal thing, right? So it's hard to apply something that is new to things that happened before without having a proper legal framework. And unfortunately, I'm a I'm a geographer, spatial analyst rather than policymaker, so I probably can't uh, explain yeah. the nuances of that. My other comment was that my sister's been a principal at schools for at high schools for 25 years, and they've known about the vapes being a problem like eight years ago, so it's a pity that we kind of are worried about this after the fact when it, in other cities around the world it's already shown to be an issue. Okay. Yeah, yeah the, the thing is that there was actually really a big boom of of opening no, new vape stores. So like a few years ago there was 130 around the country and now we have 10 times more. So the, the whole problem is basically way bigger now than it was just three years ago. Wow. James in Epsom says the boys' toilet at my high school has so many vapors in it that smoke is bellowing out the door and into the classrooms. The whole school smells like cherry, and it's beyond a joke. Mm. Martin. Yeah, and uh, fascinating. I've got, um, I wouldn't say a lot to say on this, but I know one of the things that um, local councils are struggling with enforcing vaping bans in stores, etc., is that. Um, Legislative changes are needed around this, rather than just local councils trying to enforce um, vape, vape bans and things. I mean, I, I've heard stories of kids as, long, as young as nine mm. vaping in schools. You know, and there's, and there's not a great deal that they can they can do about it. I guess, um, Lucas. I mean, what are we afraid of here? I mean, you know, Australia's got really strict controls, and you know, they're putting more control controls and restrictions around vaping. Um, they've got a ban on non therapeutic. Vapes um, and single-use vapes. Like we, we, you know, we, we, we're kind of like, you know, we're reducing it by down to six hundred. Well, how are we going to do that? Because you know that means another four hundred stores. What are going to be forced to close? I mean, you know, what are we afraid of here? Why are we not following, or say, Australia's lead on this and going? We've just got to stop it. <laughs> That's one is again really hard for me to answer. But the thing is that all of the stores, they are basically clustered in the in the most vulnerable communities that we know. So those are the communities that are most deprived, meaning the poorest. They are the communities with the highest proportion of uh, Pacifica, Maori, and also Asian people. So, yeah, how, how it affects those people and how, how 
it, it's still it's actually the vaping is actually still a new thing so we don't know exactly what are the possible health outcomes mm. but what we know is basically if you breathe something in that is not a fresh air then it's bad for your lungs and it affects more children than than anyone else Dr. Murak, do we know why? I mean, it might, I'm just wanting to know the reasons why that the clustering, or in terms of the spatial proximity, you're saying that it increases or is denser in areas of deprivation. Do we know why that is? Is there reasons for it? Is it because uh, um, businesses might see a particular market there or what? It's actually often related to something way uh, more simple, and it's a land price. Mm. So, so what we what we see often, even big outlets, even a lot of supermarkets in are in the areas that are one of that are rather poor than than rich because it's just cheaper to mm. own a land there or rent a land there. No problem. And twenty six percent of New Zealand students are vaping a week. It's huge. Wow. It's uh, something that we'll certainly be keeping our eye on, uh, Dr. Marek. Um, I guess the question, though, is, and it's probably sort of a bit outside your remit being a spatial analyst pertaining to health, um, but the limited availability to vaping, I mean, that may well impede New Zealand getting to its smoke-free 2025 target. I mean, right now, nearly 85% of New Zealanders are smoke-free. Um, vaping is a part of that goal, trying to get to mm. fewer than 5% of New Zealanders to be smokers. So that's part of the wider picture, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Probably the, any any usage of, of nicotine uh, as addiction, basically, probably should be limited to protect the health of the of the mm. population. Back All in right. my back, back in my day we smoked camels and then you know <coughs> we smoked cigarettes, not not cherry flavoured steam. Yeah, that's that's probably a bit big <laughs> bit of a problem, right? Yeah. And bring back now, cigarettes. Bring back yeah. cigarettes. <laughs> cigarettes were well. actually disgusting, smelled bad, but now if you if you're smoking cherries Cheer, you yeah, yeah, then yeah. Strawberry shortcake. Yeah. <laughs> nice to have you on, uh, Dr. Marek. Thank you. That's uh, Dr. Lucas Marek from the University of Canterbury. Just a reminder that uh, smoking kills, uh, I think, what, 5,000 people a year in New Zealand. And the backdrop to this, the backdrop to vaping, was to get that number of smokers mm. uh, down to the 2025 target. Yeah, but a bit, bit of a response to this. Um, Kia ora panel, uh, vape dairy right opposite Northcote College. The owner is in a mad rush to get the vape shop up and running before uh, the regulations uh, kick in. It's so 18 past four, the panel. Nice to have your company. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm joined by Boopsy Moran and Martin Bosley to this. Auckland Transport are proposing changes to speed limits around the region to improve safety. But not all local board areas will see the same speed limit changes. For example, schools in the, uh, the Kai Pataki area, including Glenfield College, St Mary's, Northcote School, none in the area will have adequate safe speed catchment protection under the new proposal. The organisation Healthy Auckland Together say... Hey, this will create a postcode lottery. 
where where you live will determine the risk of death and serious injury to your child. So to discuss, we have Professor Alistair Woodward from the University of Auckland School of Population Health and Healthy Auckland together. Professor Woodward, welcome. Hello. Thank you for inviting me on the panel. Pleasure. So you've come up with a grading system to assess the different areas or the differences between areas. Can you explain this a bit for us? Sure. Given that this is all about schools, we thought that you know scorecards would be a good way to go with gradings. So you gave the example of Kaipariki, which is one of five boards that uh, four boards that gets an F rating. Um, and the big story we think is that there's just this huge variation. You know, Kaipariki, where no schools have got adequate safe speed catchment protection, and Manarewa and Waiheke and Mangare have every single school 100% protected. Um, you know, if those three can do it, why can't everybody? It just seems extraordinary that there's such a big variation. Yeah, I'm um, looking at the very in uh, safety uh, uh, across the city. It is interesting. Yeah, Howick, F, Orake, uh, F. You've got uh, Devonport, Takapuna, a D, uh, Mangare, <laughs> Otahu, an A, Manarewa, an A. Um, I'm just looking at how, I mean, look, the stats are quite, I mean, they are quite um, startling, aren't they? 158 serious injuries and 18 deaths between 2018 and 2022. Yes, road safety is a big issue in Auckland and it's not heading in the right direction, you know. So it's the, it's not at all a good time to introduce um, a proposal that, um means that many children in Auckland will not be protected on the way to school. Alistair, I have a question. Um, what kind of documents were the boards given before they made decisions that affected these kind of ratings? Were they all given the same kind of data and information? Yes. Yeah, as far as I know. I mean, they all got the proposal from AT. The, the, um, <clears throat> it's been through several rounds, of course, but it was the proposal with lots of evidence behind it to and show... I- that, you know, speed limits are a good idea and also they work. My second question was, do you have, I know this was Auckland Central, but do you know how AT kind of stacks up against other cities at all, or is it all just Auckland-centric data? This is all Auckland. The scorecard is just the Auckland city area. Martin? Mm. Uh, Yeah, just on the back of what Bobby was saying, um, I know this is an initiative that, you know, all councils are required uh, to lower speeds um, around schools in Marae by, I think it's the end of 2027. Uh, and public mm. feedback has been sought. But I guess uh, uh, in districts where it is just a, you know, like a local council that can make that decision for its schools, you, you can have that blanket 30k, like say, on for instance, on Waiheke, it's easy to do. Um, is, you know, this is this predominantly an Auckland issue where you've got all these local boards making those decisions around these schools. And ask, but are some of these schools also on main arterial routes, is that part of the the issue where, you know, they, they can't or they're not allowed to reduce the limit? Yeah, no, your last point. Certainly, um, our scorecard refers to non-arterial roads. You know, so if you've right, got a school, right. like King's School in Remuera, which is based on Remuera Road, um, it, it, that's obviously far more difficult to, mm. to protect um, with a 30k per hour speed limitation but you know most schools um, are boarded most of the time 
by uh, residential roads, and, and that's what we have focused on here with the scorecard. So, uh, so sorry, just to back up. Just sorry, Wallace, interrupt. Go for it, Martin. So, so the, the local boards part of part of the problem here is that you know, and that they're not that they're, they're not being proactive themselves because they're worried about I don't know ratepayers. I think I think what the explanation is that the boards, the local boards, have varied greatly in their inclination to um, interfere and downgrade the AT proposal. So that some schools, some boards have been more interventionist and said we don't want speed limits in our area um, wow. than in other areas. You know, I know the Mangari Otahu board has been very positive about child mm. safety. They really want to get kids onto bikes and walking and being active. I just had um, a um, and so yeah. they, they, sorry, sorry they were you know they were inclined to give full support to what AT had in mind. I just had a comment about, like, here we have the vaping issue and the speed issues back-to-back that affect directly schools, and no one's talking to the schools? No one's <laughs> considering the principals or the families the or the board or the children, and we're all making decisions for them. Which, this, uh, How much are there schools involved in this decision is my question. Yeah, no, look, I think that's an absolute – that's a really good point um, because, goodness, if I was on the board of trustees of – one of the 36 schools that under these proposals will have absolutely no protection, no mm. speed restrictions. Mm. I'd be really concerned. You know, it's a health and safety issue. Um, and if I was a parent with a child at one of these schools, it certainly would be very much on my mind. Well, no I, what got... we're hoping to do is to, you know, is to get people to read the proposal and to submit to AT. Mm. We've got until the end of the month to say, this, you know, this doesn't look right. We 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 would like one standard, <laughs> say a safe standard that applies to schools Auckland throughout Island. the yeah. city. Yeah, we did get a response uh, from AT, uh, Alistair. This is a um, from Michael Brown, the road safety engineer. But they're saying, look, uh, by the end of uh, 2027, we should have the majority of all schools covered, and the intention is for most schools across the region to have 30 kilometre per hour speed limits. So are you confident that that could be done? Well, I don't see why we need to wait three years or four years, you know, um, by 2027, Michael's saying. Um, I'm afraid, you know, I'm not sure that I've got confidence that it it really will happen, um, given that we've got this safety postcode lottery um, that applies at the moment and will for the next few years. Very good to have you on, Professor Woodward. Kia ora. That's sure. uh, Alistair Woodward there from uh, the University of Auckland, also from the group Healthy Auckland, together looking at the uh, safety, uh, the, the, the scorecard uh, around safety around the schools. So, for example, Devonport, Takapuni, you've got a D there. Upper Harbour, a D. Waitakere, you've got the D too. Albert Eden, you're nudging in there with a C. Otara, Papatoi, C, Rodney, a C, Papakura, a B. Uh, at the top is Waiheke with an A and Manarewa with an A in terms of safety for the kids sounds around like schools. Re- sounds like my report card from Oslo College. Ha! <laughs> Does it now, Martin? <laughs> just those grades just coming back to me. Like yeah. That, you know. 27 past four, the panel are in Z National. Or well, just helping out a mate, Sir Steve Hansen says. The man who guided the All Blacks to the 2015 World Cup triumph has dropped the bomb by joining his old mate, Wallabies coach, 
Eddie Jones as they face hosts France in a final warm-up. He's expected to spend the next six days ensconced in Australia's camp in a Rugby World Cup year. It left All Black Dane Coles lost for words. What do you um, what do you make of your former coach linking up with the Wallabies? Who's that? Steve Hansen. Yeah? <laughs> well, actually. Yeah? yeah. Well, like, a, is, like in camp, kind of set up. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he has to turn up to the game. A few days. Might yeah. not be paid. What are you What are you up to? <laughs> oh, that hurts a little bit, to be fair. Um, oh, yeah, I'm at your goldsmith. Actually, gobsmacked, and Chris Hipkins <laughs> joked this morning, I think we should cancel his citizenship, Martin. <laughs> Is this rug- ha- rugby's Russell Coots moment? <laughs> <laughs> Just helping out a mate, but it's Australia. Is this unpatriotic? Oh, look, Baz McCallum coaches England. Did we think that was that that's unpatriotic? I thought we kind of we were, we were supportive of that, weren't we? I think perceptions. Hang on, this per- is World Cup year. I know, and it's well, essential for us to win this cup. Absolutely, I mean, but perceptions, everything. When I when I saw this story, I was as outraged as the next man. Going what? But I've heard the explanation. I've listened. Which was S- seems reasonable enough that he's helping out a mate. He's not getting paid. It's just for the first week. He's, he's helping a out problems. a mate at camp yeah. for six days. Yeah, that's not helping out. That's but that's but Hanson also he, he coached Wales before he did the All Blacks. He's he's helped out with the Japanese team. He's coached the Mosgiel under 14s I think it is. He's, you know he's he didn't go straight into the ABs. He's you know he's helped he's, he's helped other people out as well. And I think he, let's be a little bit open minded on it. Look, I don't think it's cool, but I'm trying to I'm trying to be the devil's advocate on this. I guess. Okay, so you don't think it's cool? Oopsie. I'm Not still really. mourning the loss of the Women's World Cup. <laughs> but if I had to talk about, I, I read the story, and I think if you have friends in high places and you're having a tough time, I can uh, see why he asked for help, and that's all I can say for that. But, yeah, I think um, they're just finding news after we've all had the exit of an amazing think, world-class sport. So that's news yeah, for I today. Think, I think Eddie Jones, he's got like six coaches with him anyway. I mean, let's, you know, like, what, what, what so why does he need Steve Hansen? Exactly. Like, why does he need him? So, you know, Hansen's probably just going, hey, look, here's a free ride for France and a, <laughs> yeah. and a ticket to the game. And I, all I, right. I'll have a few beers with my mate Eddie at the end of it. Okay, fair enough. So nothing to see here, both of you. I don't think so. uh, now, um, what I do want to sort of bring up, uh, because I had some wonderful responses so far, is uh, at uh, ten to five. I want your I want your feedback. Um, uh, I'll listen to the question: What was your after school or summer job? If you have just joined us, tell us about it. Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? I said that mine was raspberry picking and bright water in Nelson. <laughs> I'm really jealous. Uh, <laughs> It's just, it's just the, the raspberries were too jolly tasty. I mean, give me strawberry picking. I wouldn't touch them. But raspberries, yum. Yeah. So I, I couldn't pick a full punnet. That was my problem. Um, <laughs> you were the punnet. Fliss says, I worked in a dairy after school in Fitzroy, age 16. I still have a scar on my thumb where my flesh and blood ended up sliced with the luncheon, luncheon sausage. Oh, no. Another one here. Um, uh, thinning carrots at the Levin Horticultural Research Station in 1963. My worst job. Uh, so what was yours? Text me, 2101. You're on the panel.